But if you're new to Hill City, my name is John. Welcome. Uh, I just want to welcome all the guests here. Thank you for being here. I want to welcome the guests who are online, maybe those who are sick and not feeling good. And uh, just thank you for being here. Today is December 1st. I know. I was like, that was fast. Who felt like that was a fast year, right? Now, that just zoomed for, uh, for us. And uh, I was uh, just telling myself, next year, John, you're going to have a high schooler, a middle schooler, and an elementary schooler. Like, life is moving very, very quickly, quicker than I thought. But uh, how many guys love Christmas? Oh, you guys are, you guys are more like me then. <laughs> You're like, yay, right? I, I, I am no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a very Christmassy person. You can, you can ask my wife and my, my children. They were like, let's get the tree out. I was like, all right, I'll do some family stuff so I don't look like a bad dad right now. So I'm like get, grabbing the tree stuff with my son and my daughter. They're just grabbing stuff and they're like, oh. And I was like, we can push off the tree till tomorrow, right? And now so the, uh, the house is being set, but the tree is not up. But some of you guys, the tree has been up since October. Is that true? Like you've been, you've been, you've been, you've been playing the Christmas mix on your, on your Apple like music for a while now. And, uh, but I, you know, I, I'm no Grinch, but I'm not Cindy Lou Who either. Like I am not all in, but some of you guys, you guys are, have this music on blast. You guys are wearing your Christmas sweaters, right? Your house smells like Christmas scents, like it smells like trees and cookies and vanilla. And, uh, and the only reason I would say that we, our house gets Christmassy well, is because of Candace. It, it's true. Like Korean Christmas is like, let's just make more pot stickers and like, let's hang out with each other. But we didn't, we didn't, I didn't grow up decorating, you know? I didn't grow up like, oh, we watched this movie. I try to do that with my kids, but I, I didn't grow up that way. But, um, and, and, and the reason we might have Christmas lights up is because the HOA didn't catch us yet. For a whole year, we made it, right? <laughs> but all of us, we come from different backgrounds and different experiences surrounding Christmas time. We do. And during the season, some of us are so excited and, and, and we're anticipating the celebrations and some of you guys' families are already coming together and you have beautiful childhood memories of opening gifts and presents and, and you had these big plans. Maybe that's the problem. I, we didn't really celebrate Christmas. We didn't open gifts during Christmas. So I'd like, like wrap my own gifts and open them. Like, <laughs> surprise, you knew what it was. It was two rocks and a paperclip, you know? <laughs> I, I, I don't know how you guys grew up, but we, I, we didn't grow up with like this Christmas thing going on. And, and so we have, we have different people in different places. Others of us, we're reminded of our Christmas past, right? Because there's this, there's this influence of a season, especially in, in our country, in this culture. We're reminded, we want to be nostalgic, but when I'm looking back, I'm like, that doesn't make me joyful, right? And to some of us, we, we're reminded of childhood memories, but we're reminded of broken relationships too. We're reminded of these big plans that we might have had that have been broken. Reminded of our past. Maybe you, even this year you've gone through loss and you were reminded of loss. And for some of us in this room, I, I think that, it's, that we need to remember that those people, not everyone is, is celebrating like us. And maybe that we can walk into their lives in, in just a deeper way and allow people to join you in celebrating. Celebrate people be the church of Jesus the hands of God and we talked about it uh, two weeks ago to move incarnationally to walk in their shoes for a moment and say and it, I might not know what it feels 
to, to walk in your shoes, but I want to walk with you. I think that is a big part of Christmas. But wherever you may land today, with all the hustle, I want to tell you there's hope. And with that in mind, I want us to go to Matthew chapter 1. All right. I'm going to do that again. We celebrate the Word of God around here. I want us to go to Matthew chapter 1. All right. All right. It's getting better. I know. Today we begin this series. It's called Advent. Advent. And now if you're like me, I wasn't that familiar with Advent history, so I, did a, I had to start doing research and, and learning about it. I asked Hannah about it. We wa- I watched a bunch of videos. I read a bunch of, uh, of, of uh, uh, just history on it, and I was unfamiliar because not all of us grew up in church, right? And not all of us grew up in traditions of Advent. But today, I want us to connect us to church history, to join people all around the world today, and, and making preparations. People today begin, in the beginning of December, start making preparations in their lives, in their hearts and minds for the season of Advent. Say the word Advent. Ooh, that's much better. It's derived from a Latin word uh, that's Adventus, meaning the coming, the arrival. So during this Christmas season, Christians around the world, they spend time, they, they focus down on this time of repentance, coming before God and saying, you know what, I just want to, I want to start with cleansing. I want to, and they, uh, they dive deeper into prayer and a moment of prayer and fasting. I know, we're like, that's not American prayer and fasting during the season. This is a season of eating, John, right? But it's a moment of Advent. It's a moment of preparing our hearts and minds. And originally, I thought this was interesting. There was little connection with Advent and the birth of Jesus. Think about that for a moment. We're like, oh yeah, we're getting ready for the birth of Jesus. No, that's not what Advent was actually for. Uh, but in the 6th century, Roman Christians tied Advent to the coming of Christ, right? To this, uh, to this moment. But the coming they had in mind was not Christ's first coming in the manger, but his second coming as, as Lord, as judge of the world. See, that's very different. So in their mindset, it was a very different of thinking, of getting ready. In the Old Testament, we see the people of Israel reciting scripture of the coming of the Messiah. And Advent continues today with this anticipation of the coming king. And that's what we're anticipating, guys. We're anticipating what God wants to do through us to the moment when he comes as the coming king. Very interesting, right? So we're joining in. Say joining in. That's what we're doing. We're joining in today. And for the rest of December until Christmas, we're joining in with people across the world. And it starts by lighting a candle. I'm going to have my son Micah come up. And he's going to light a candle today. And he is going to read scripture to us. See, with uh, people all across the world, you want to light one candle there? I hope it works. People all across the world are lighting candles today. Right? One candle. A new candle lit on each of the four Sundays before Christmas. And each candle representing hope, faith, joy, peace until Christmas Day. And Micah, you want, you want to read? This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom was she was engaged, was a righteous man, and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. 
Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Give him a hand. Yeah. I asked my kids, does anyone want to read scripture on Sunday? And my daughter was like, nope. And uh, both my sons were like, yup. My youngest son, I did not trust. (laughs) I didn't know what he was going to say. But this moment in scripture, think about this. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This was prophesied 600 years before this moment. Think about that for a moment. In the Dead Sea Scrolls that we have today, this is written there. In the Dead Sea Scrolls that was aged hundreds of years before Jesus. This moment is kind of a big deal, right? The beginning of all that the people of Israel had been waiting for. The virgin birth, angels appearing, the fulfillment of prophecy. See, Matthew, if you ever read Matthew, he's writing to his people. He's writing to the people of Israel who are waiting for God's salvation. But currently at that time, they were occupied by Rome. They were suffering and they were silenced under the hand of Caesar, awaiting for a physical redemption and a spiritual redemption. And for Israel, those are connected, waiting for God's plan, a Messiah, a Savior, actually a revolutionary. That's what they were looking for. And in the words of the prophets, they spoke about the son of Abraham, the son of David, the com- coming to set the captives free. And that's again in Isaiah. But how? If you just imagine being in ancient Israel and being occupied by the superpower, how, God, how are you going to move when this seems like an impossibility? Have you ever felt that before? Like you were going through a situation or you're going through life and you wonder, God, how can you do something here? It seems like an impossibility. And that was the same feeling. That was the same precedence that these people were having in this moment of our past. See, the Bible, as you might know, is separated into two sections. And it's the Old Testament and the New Testament or the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The last book in the Old Testament is Malachi, right? And the first book of the New Testament is Matthew. Very good. Thank you, John. Thank you. But the one page that separates the two books represents 400 years. See, Malachi, he ends his writings and he says that God loves you. Then the curtain of the Old Testament comes down. Just think about that. And then God seems to go silent. No words of God, no prophets, no signs, no wonders. 400 years, think about that, of silent nights. 400 years. I don't know about you, but has God ever felt silent to you? And that silence ever made you wonder, God, what are you doing? Are you even here? Do you even care? Maybe that's you today. Maybe you walked in here for the first time or the second time, and you're like, God, I need you to speak to me. I need you. I need to sense your presence. I need you to speak to me through your word today. 
my faith feels hushed. The season that I'm in feels prolonged. And you wonder, what's going on, God? What's going on? And so I want to ask us two questions. What does God do in the silence? And what do I do in the silence? Those are the two questions I want to talk to you about today. Number one, what does God do in the silence? And I'm going to go through this quick. I need to give you the backstory of this story because I want to give you some history. God is most definitely up to something and preparing things behind the scenes. I want to tell you that when we don't sense God, when we sense God's silence, what, just what if he is preparing things behind the scenes? Now, in the years before the birth of Jesus, there is a power shift going on, a major power shift from Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar we read about, in Daniel to, per, to the Persians, to King Cyrus, King Darius, Xerxes that we've, you know, we've learned maybe in middle school and high school when we're going through world history. That's around 500 BC, right? The powers are changing, Babylon to Persia. Uh, and then the Persians around 360 BC comes on the scene. Uh, this Macedonian, Philip of Macedon, came, comes into power and begins to unify the people all around Greece. Just think about that with me. You've seen movies about this. If you don't know Philip, you definitely know his son. And if you know world history, his son was Alexander the Great. Yeah, thank you. I knew you knew it. I knew you knew it. Alexander the Great comes on the scene, and we've seen movies with him, one of the world's greatest military generals. And Alexander takes on the Persian Empire, the superpower of the day, and wins. And then he continues to conquer the known world around that area from conquest to conquest. And before Alexander died, these were his words at the age of 33. He says, I'm depressed. There's no more worlds to conquer. He must have been a really nice guy, right? He's like, I'm, I'm depressed. We can't kill a bunch of people right now. Or I can't conquer anymore. See, Alexander was this military general. This, for this, he was down, and we know him for his wins, right? He's like this man, this super like intelligent general, but he also started something called Koine Greek. Say Koine Greek. It means common Greek. He wanted everyone to speak the same language. It's very interesting. And we're like, what does that, what does that have to do with the birth of Jesus? What if God is just setting things up? So all this territory, people are speaking Greek, and you might not notice, but God's working in the backgrounds to set up this big moment. Then comes the Roman Empire dominating and they're setting the culture they keep the koine greek for some reason right and during this time they implement this thing it's right up there called the pox romana the pox romana roman peace that's what it means and now you can move from country to country to country in peace well more safety than before think about that people are moving into cities now from the rural areas they're moving in cultures are moving together just like it's happening even in the cities today. All these people, especially in the United States, cultures are moving in to the cities. People are coming together. The world is being connected. The world is getting smaller, not bigger. Increasing trade and business and language and culture. These Roman roads and highways, which still exist today, people are going across them and moving together all coming together, this melting pot, right, of influence. And God, I want to tell you, when we read that in our history books, I want to tell you God is up to something. 
God is up to something. God was up to something like a director of a movie setting up the scene for a big reveal called the, the coming of Jesus, the pinnacle of the story. And we never confuse God's silence with God's absence. I mean that. I don't know what you're feeling today, but do not confuse God's silence with God's absence. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. When you can't feel it, when times seem bleak, remember that God is with you. Remember that God is with us. And the Apostle Paul, he writes it like this. In Galatians 4, 5, uh, 4 and 5, he says, But when the fullness of time had come, when the moment, the perfect time had come, that's what Paul is writing here, when everything was set in place, when it wasn't by chance, but by design, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoptions as sons. That this whole thing, this whole history, this this culmination was a setup to bring his divine plan of redemption to sonship, to daughtership. What the prophets proclaimed, what people thought God was gone. In the 400 years, God was revealing this gift of Jesus at the perfect time. And I want to say, there's moments in our lives where we're like, God, what's going on? And I want to tell you, what if he's setting things up for you? What if he is setting up his kingdom still? That nothing is going to slow down what he has planned. And what I want you and I to do is be a part of his plan. Be a part of what he's doing. Engage that. And, and now I wonder what is God doing in our background of our lives today? What is God doing in our culture today? Think about our culture. Well, I wonder what he's doing today. Think about that. When people are in outrage mode... When we see uh, there's so much divide in politics and in people and, and so much just kind of despair and people feel isolated. The suicide rate is going up and people are feeling like, you know, I, there's more like we see so many things on news. Sometimes we need to turn that off and just watch Elf, you know, just watch something happy. Because if you just watch that for too long, you feel like the world is coming apart and God can do no, nothing. This is impossible, God. Where are you? What can you do? Some, some of us in our, in our lives, we feel like, God, I feel your silence. If you feel dry, disconnected, maybe spiritually lost, emotionally weak, mentally exhausted, you're just like, I'm exhausted. Don't lose hope. Just what if God is moving all the pieces behind the scenes and setting up his great plan. I can't tell you what he's doing or how he's going to do it, but I can tell you this. I know his nature and his character all along. You can see it all throughout history that God has continually set things up for his glory and for our good. And we got to trust that. And as the curtains come up, you and I find ourselves right in position to accomplish his will for his glory and for our good. And I just want to say this, and I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. God, God's plan, God's will is the best thing for you. Jesus 
is the best thing for you. The reason that I speak today, the reason that I, we do what we do, the reason that we, we give our lives to the, to the gospel is we believe that Jesus is the best thing for our world. He's not this substitute like, oh, you know, feel good, do some, you know, Jesus is love. No, it's, it's even more than that. Jesus is truth. Jesus is love. Jesus is, is someone you can trust. Jesus empowers us. We, we need to focus back on Jesus and not loosen our grip and not add on Jesus to our lives like pepper and salt. He's not an add-on. He is the main deal. He is the good news. Let's get back. That's what Advent is. We're setting up our hearts and our minds to get back to Jesus as the main thing. We're not peppering in. We're not decorating. Have you ever been to like a big giant Christmas tree that they set up? You take pictures with Santa and people, adults are dressed up as elves. And you're like, that's interesting, right? And they, and, but they, they have these gifts, right? And they're all wrapped up. But the truth is, if you, if you mess with those, uh, those gifts on the inside, it's empty. Those boxes are empty. I don't know if you decorate that way with empty boxes under the Christmas tree. So it looks like it, it looks good, right? But those things are empty. And I, I don't want us to decorate our lives with religiosity. I don't want us to decorate our lives with Jesus words and Christian culture and not embrace the gift that is Jesus. To open up that gift, to enter in and to really take on God. You are for me and you are with me, God. You are with me. That is the gift. That is, that is what we are preparing our hearts for. So what do we do in the silence? Number two, first, we trust in his word. I want to take you back to his word. It's amazing how God speaks to us through his word. I mean it. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God speaks primarily and most powerfully and clearly through his word. He does. You need to know it. I know we can read other things and other books and, and, and watch YouTube videos and all these things, but I want us to go back to the word of God. Listen. And listen to the word of God. Most of the time, there's so many times, I would say, there's so many times we go to the, the Bible and we want answers, but the word of God always directs us and draws us into his presence. It does. It teaches you what God is like and brings you to his presence, which honestly is what we need. We need his peace. You can have everything you want, but when we don't have peace, you can't enjoy anything you have. You can't. We chase, we chase, we chase, and then we find out there's no peace there because true peace comes in Jesus. We need his mind. We need his correction. We need his correction, guys. I know. We do. We need to read the word of God and look at our lives and examine it like a mirror. We need to look at the life of Jesus and look at our lives and examine our lives through the mirror that is Christ, through the word that, it, that God is revealing so we can be even deeper into his presence. We need his presence. The word of God reminds us to trust in his reputation. If God has been faithful in the past to you, we can trust him now. Secondly, pray and obey. Praying is hard. I just want to throw it out there. Praying is hard. Anyone try to pray for an hour, right? Prolonged prayer. You're like, you're thinking about all sorts of things. You're like, what do I need to do? Jesus, uh, I'm, I want to get back, right? But you know why praying is hard? Because it's supposed to be. Because that is the moment where we say, God, I, I can't come here with fancy words. I can't come here all trained up. 
praying is just me before you, and I just want to wait before you. I just want to pray to my God. I want to connect to you. But it takes time to learn that. It takes time to sit in prayer. And then God begins to speak in prayer if we want to invest in that. Because God is, we think, oh God, we're asking for something. God, give me something. I want an answer. But God is actually making us in prayer. Imagine if prayer is not really a place of just conversation, but prayer is God preparing you and I to become the person he needs us to be. That that happens in prayer. And this is, and, and it's, prayer and it's then we obey don't just pick and choose right like i want a little bit of that this is not jesus buffet right i mean that i think we we become we want this part of jesus but not that we we want this grace and we don't want his truth we can't live between both some of us we are too much truth not enough grace we need both grace and truth jesus was not 50 percent grace and 50 percent truth he was a hundred percent grace and 100% truth, and we need both in our lives, but we need to obey it, obey, pray, and then obey, no multiple choice. Third, we need to reach out to your community, reach out to your community. We were made for relationship, I mean that. You and I were made for relationship, and everything in our culture currently breaks off relationship, right? It's like, uh, I, I was talking to uh, someone the other day, and they were talking about how most, like, uh, from supermarkets to all the places that we n- normally shop at, they don't actually want people in there anymore. They want you just to pick it up, right? And we're losing human connection. And, 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 it's, and, and when you do this long enough, it starts becoming awkward to be around people. I mean that. I, I, I've been told this, like, uh, and, and, and maybe I too because sometimes I can be very introverted and I don't know what to say many times in this place when you're new I am so awkward I apologize because I don't know what to say (laughs) it's not so easy for me and and so because I'm so used to like I'll text you can I text you what I wanted to say that's easier right (laughs) can I send you an email instead of like having this face-to-face human interaction but we need it we were made for community that brings us life, and it takes us out of isolation, especially during times when you don't feel like it, when you feel lost and alone in your faith. It's important to reach out and let others love you. I mean that. Let others love you. Let others love you. We need people. We need community. No one, because I, I, I tell you this, because no one lies to you more than you do. No one tells you things that you shouldn't tell yourself. Have you ever told yourself, you are so stupid, or you are so ugly? How, how, you, that was such a stupid answer. Have you ever like, told yourself all these things that you shouldn't have been t- telling yourself? No one damages you as deep as you, but when you're around someone who loves you, they're like, shut up. No, why do you say that about yourself? They call you out in a beautiful, beautiful way. And we need that. We need to be loved by others deeply. We need to be fully known and fully loved. And I, I think every one of us, that is an innate human need in us. We need community. And fourth, we need to stand in faith. In moments of silence, in moments of struggle, stay faithful because Faith matures through faithfulness. I want you to write that down. Something to really think about. Your faith matures in faithfulness as you remain faithful. When I, when I first got married to Candace, I was like, man, I'm going to be so faithful. You know where faithfulness comes from? I mean, faith really comes from faithfulness. You just stand in there. 
You just grow together. You start building together. In the beginning, it's, you're not that faithful, honestly. You're, you're more faithful to yourself than to the person that you're married to. In the beginning of any relationship, you're like, oh, I'm gonna, I am so faithful. No, faith, faith in, in one another becomes stronger and it matures in faithfulness. So I want to tell you this. When you're, when you're going through silence, when you're struggling, keep praying. Keep worshiping. If no one in this room is worshiping, just close your eyes and worship because God deserves your worship. He does. Who cares if the person next to you says whatever or if they're watching you? Sometimes we just need to unleash and say, God, you are God in this place. I am not these people. I'm not here for these people. I'm here to worship you. I'm here to bring you something. Many times we come into a place and say, God, I need something. But what if we, next time we came in here and said, God, I'm here to bring you something. I got something for you. I got something for you. And with that sort of attitude, I want us to come in to worship. Keep connecting with your church family. I know you've been hurt. I've been hurt too. People hurt people. And that's just the truth of it. Is if, if, we, if we just give up the first time we get hurt, then, then we'll be isolated. What if the other, other way was true? We hurt people too. Can we give each other grace? Can we give each other grace? Keep standing on your faith. Don't give up. Tell your neighbor, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Paul says this in Galatians. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. As we close today, I just want us to think for a moment. In this time of Advent, I want you to know that there's hope. In this time in your life right now, I want you to know that there's hope. The hope spoken by the prophets, the hope in the background of history, the hope in the words of Isaiah when he said, Emmanuel, God with us. Say that with me, God with us. God with us. I think these are some of the most powerful words that we can embrace. If you can write that down or text it to yourself, God with us. That's something that needs to be meditated on. It's not something that we read and we just go by and say, that's cool. No, it's not cool. It's deeper than that. It's greater than that. That God is with you. That we're everywhere that you are not, that's where God is. If God is omnipresent and he's everywhere, right? As, uh, then everywhere you're not, God is there. And the only reason we don't feel or sense God is because we are not on the right station. God is right here with us, walking with us. God is feeling everywhere in this place. Just imagine, let's think differently about God. We think God is all the way away from us and we're down here and we're like, God, do something. No, God is completely surrounding you. You are in the sea of God's presence. You just don't realize it yet. Just imagine that. Let us think differently about God's presence and where He is and how He loves us. You are in a sea of God's grace, in a sea of God's love. You are floating in, in God's presence. He loves you. 
He loves you. God is with us. Every breath you take, that is God giving us life. Every sunrise and sunset, that is God's, the colors of him saying he loves you. Every time your child says something funny, it starts making you laugh. That is the joy that you get from God. God loves you and he is with us. He is with us. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, as he was dying, his last words were this, the best of all is God is with us. I was thinking about that this week. This was the hope that he lived with and he lived for his entire life. And God used him to be part of the Great Awakening. I don't know if you know any Christ of the Great Awakening of Christian history, but this was a time in the 1700s where the people were writing books that 10 years from now, we will live in a secular world, a post-Christian world. They're writing books about it. And they're writing books about it now. I saw a book today, The Postmodern Pastor. There was, someone was writing a book about that. But they're writing the same thing in the 1700s. Think about that. When the, uh, when the uh, colonies were going on in the, in the states of America, right? They weren't the United States yet. It was just the colonies. And people were secularizing and turning away from God. And in that moment where people were losing hope begins the great awakening with John Wesley and George Whitfield. And that great awakening moves across the colonies, moves across England, all the way to Australia and all across the world. God begins to bring his church that God is with us. It was an advent moment. It was a moment of God's presence, his arrival as his people believed that God was with us. And now we look and we're like, oh, United States was a Christian country. That was a Christian country. It wouldn't have been without this great awakening. So when we are losing hope and when we're saying, oh man, something's wrong, I'm telling you, God is not surprised. He is not surprised. And he is not shaking. Church, Hill City, people, God is with you. Give God praise. Stop looking at the landscape of our culture and start looking at the greatness of God. He's done it again and again and again and again. He is not deterred. He is not shaken. So don't be shaken. You're a child of God and God is with you. God is with you. When hope seems lost, God is with us. There is hope. Think on that for a moment. Make that personal in your life right now. Where are areas of your life where you say, God, you, where are you? And he's like, I've been setting you up the whole time. I've been setting you up the whole time. The greatest truth in our silence, in our joy, in our pain, in our victories, in our shame, God is with me. And I want to continue to remind you that there is hope. Week after week, for the next four weeks, we are preparing for this. We're preparing for some of us, maybe I need to ask you in a different way. What is keeping you from God? Let's just, just bow our heads for a moment. What is keeping you from God? What is keeping you from sensing his love and keeping you from being with him? Is it a habit or a sin you need to give up? Is it a simple lack of discipline of our lives? We have the wrong patterns. Are you just too busy and you need to slow down and jump out of the matrix 
of busyness? Are you too pressed down by other things? Are you juggling too many things at once? I want to push a little even further. If Jesus Christ is really God with us, then an apathetic response to following God is not a rational response. If God is really God of your life, we can't just be indifferent like, eh, it's okay. I want us to really dive deeper. John Stott wrote this. Anybody who ever met Jesus Christ only ever had three responses to him. They either were terrified and wanted to run away or they hated him and wanted to kill him and stone him to death or they worshipped him and got down on their knees and gave him everything. There was no other rational response. Maybe for you, during this time of Advent, it's a time to consecrate yourself. Those words were written 39 times through the Old and New Testament to set yourself apart, to relinquish every part of your life. God, I've done it my way. I need, to, I need to get back to you. I need to consecrate myself. You got everything. If you're really God, then be my God. You have, you have it all. Some of us, we need to start again. We need to seek again and hope again. God, I pray let us get serious, Lord, as every candle is being lit, Lord God. Light a fire in us, Lord God. Let's pray. God, you are with us. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, let that sink in. It's not about our gifts. It's not about being religious, but about responding to you who responded to us with Jesus, who walked in our shoes, who lived as we lived and gave your life so that we could forever be with you. And that starts now, God. There's some of us in this room that we need to consecrate ourselves, that we need to begin, that you have been speaking to us, but we have faded back and we peppered a little bit of Christianity, a little bit of Jesus into our lives, but we have not dived in, Lord. We have not consecrated ourselves. Lord, would you give us the hope and the courage to respond appropriately to who you are in repentance, in consecration, in joy, in hope. God. You are with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. At this time, I want to do something that's uh, just different. I want, we have someone in our congregation that is uh, going to go through some uh, heart surgery, major surgery. You want to talk? Um, so Ashley and Drew, they'll just come up real quick. They're, uh, they help us with a ton at church, and they have a little baby Grayson, and he's about two months old. And um, he's having heart surgery on Tuesday. And um, we just really believe in the power of prayer um, over them, uh, their family, and Grayson, and even over the doctors. And, and you guys are family. And so we just wanted to uh, be able to pray over them together today. Um, so if you guys will just stretch your hands, and if you'll pray, and honestly, even this week, pray like it's your kid. Um, because I don't know, uh, you know, if you've been through a situation um, like this, but uh, it's hard, you know, and, and you want to trust God. Um, but I know that uh, it, it's still hard, you know. And so pray this week. Pray like, like it's your loved one. And um, just continue to pray for them this week. He has his surgery Tuesday morning early, and then he'll be recovering all week. So just continue to pray all week for them, please. Um, Ashley, Drew, Grayson, and then there's two other brothers, um, Dax and Deacon. So you want to pray?
Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord God, that you would have your hands on Grayson today, Lord God, and every day, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would be with the doctors, Lord God, to heal this heart, Lord, to close up what needs to be closed up and fixed, Lord. But I pray, be with them, Lord. Holy Spirit, be with the parents and give them peace, Lord God. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would be with them, Lord God. And the whole time we would have peace. I know that anxiety wants to overtake us. I know that fear wants to overtake us. But Lord God, I pray that let them know that there is a family, an army, Lord God, of people praying for them and praying for grace and Lord God and praying for this family, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, be with them, Lord God, and let them recover so quickly, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. muted it but this is a perfect time just to think about God being with us and that's what communion is all about it's to be at the table of God and as these guys pass it out as you receive the sacraments just take a moment and I want you guys to start with just repentance I think it's really important to start with repentance if there's anything as you take these sacraments if there's anything on your mind and your heart that is separating you from one another or is that is that sin that's that's overshadowing the presence of God and taking away your peace, it's a perfect moment to pray in repentance. Take a moment.
that Jesus was betrayed. He took the cup, he took the bread, and he broke it. And I always break things in my hands. But he says, this is my body that was broken for you. Every time you gather together, break bread and do this in remembrance of me. If you guys want to take the bread together. that same night he took the cup representing the blood that would be spilled the sacrifice that would be met the legal requirements to be done the ransom that would be paid and he said this is my blood of the new covenant I'm starting something new with you guys whenever you come together take this cup together and do this in remembrance of me let's drink together Heavenly Father, let us know that we are clean, Lord God. We put everything underneath who you are, Lord God. And we stand, Lord God, on the identity that comes from you, Lord. That you allow us at the table of God. That is just, it's insane, God. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. take offering real quick and I have some announcements for everyone so first while the guys are um, doing offering ladies if you're interested we are having a special advent uh, get together tonight and it's going to be a time of crafting cookie swapping sharing and reflection while we look at the practice of advent so if maybe you've never heard of advent before you're not familiar or even if you are you can um, come to this and join everybody in a time of fellowship. If you want more information or to sign up, you can go to the Hill City Facebook page or you can contact Candace or April Miller. Yeah, it's in your programs too, yep. And then on December 7th, um, we're gonna have free Santa pictures here at Hill City. And uh, you can bring your family, uh, tell your friends and neighbors about this. And then also bring some donations out of warm hats, socks, and gloves because we're going to be collecting those for the Christmas giveaway to um, the Denver homeless population that we do every year on Christmas Day. And then December 15th, Hill City Kids are going to be doing their Christmas program. So they're going to be in here and singing a couple songs. If you have kids, you've probably heard them singing these songs already. So uh, don't miss out. That will be during our normal service. And then finally, the video team is looking for some new volunteers. So if you have any interest in helping us out in this way, you can commit to just once a month if you want. But it would be a great way to get involved here at Hill City. They definitely will uh, train you on everything you need to know. So if you feel kind of intimidated about that, don't worry. They'll definitely be able to give you some training. And Drew, who is standing up here with his little one, is the one you want to contact about that. So that, I believe, is in your bulletin as well. And we'll have it in an email blast this week, too. So, yeah, just uh, have a great week. And we hope you guys come back next week for our second week of Advent.